A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic show. I'm MC, and I'm here with... Hola, it's Andy. This is David. Hi, it's Jan. And Logan is not here with us today, but uh, she is with us in spirit in the love of Ethan Rain. So uh, <laughs> today yeah. we're going to be talking about uh, Halloween, which is episode Woo-hoo! six of season two. Um, it originally aired October 27th, 1997. It was written by Carl Ellsworth in his only episode of uh, the Buffyverse because he was uh, fired immediately afterwards. Wow, really? Really? Yeah. Exactly. I don't, I'm trying to figure out why because this is kind of an awesome episode. Yeah, this is like, this is to me like a quintessential Buffy episode yeah. as we will discuss. Huh. So I'm just yeah. like, I'm shocked. I thought it was like a core writer who wrote this. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with the episode. I mean, the only thing I can think is maybe he overran, maybe he Crossed Joss somehow. Maybe he right. was just an asshole, and they let him go. Yeah. I was gonna say maybe he was difficult to work with, but it's a good story. Or I've also seen on several different Buffy sites this episode also credited to Joss. So maybe Joss had to do so much rewrite that he's like, Ugh, yeah, I'm not gonna have you back, possibly. And it yeah. was uh, directed by Bruce Seth Green, who is of course a mainstay of the show. Absolutely, so, we like that guy. Yes, we do. Yep. And yes. so. This opening of this episode, I am a big fan of the opening of this episode, and I don't really know why. I think it's because there's actually some pretty cool, like, subtle fighting going on. Like, because, I mean, it's just kind of your bog-standard Buffy fights a vampire opening. But I really like the way that they're actually, like, using the space around them. Like, Mm -hmm. um, when Buffy throws the stake and, like, the vampire, like, grabs the scarecrow to, like, you know, block the attack, and then Buffy's staking him with the sign. Uh, I I really like those kinds of inventive fights. Yeah, and also, I, there is a bit more space to work with, because for once we're in a pumpkin patch and not a cemetery. Yes. Right. True. I mean, I, we, and we, we talked about Bruce Seth Green just two seconds ago, and he was a mainstay for the first two seasons, and yeah. tends to do really good, solid work. So camera blocking, angle, things like that is probably going to play into, you know, why that's such an enjoyable little scene. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember when I first saw this being like, why are they recording or what's happening? I don't, what? So, you know, it's a good little opener. Well, uh, Spike getting at one of his flunkies to record Buffy, it really kind of sets up like the differences between Spike and Drusilla and the Master because the Master was so like old school, all about ritual and stuff, mm-hmm. and Spike's just like, okay, you're gonna record her so that I can learn her techniques. Oh, and then and, he gets yeah, all obsessive is- about it too. Yeah. He's like, oh, she does this, and I was like, oh, there it is right there. Yeah, well, it's yeah. kind of like the beginning of the whole Spike thing, where he's, like, stealing pictures of her and drawing her and everything. I mean, right. you don't even want to think about the kind of stuff Spike probably did with that video. 
No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you maybe do. I, I don't, don't know. know. I won't judge. Maybe I do. Um, yeah, I mean, it started right there. You can already see that sort of, you know, obsession with Buffy, not just... I mean, I think at this point he's still like, I'm going to kill another Slayer because I kill Slayers. I kill two. Look at me. I'm so cool. But there's a certain bit of admiration creeping in already, yep. mm-hmm. especially after the whole school hard thing and Joyce and the axe. And he's like, huh, interesting girl. Mm-hmm. It's not just like some random woman who's, you know, that he kills. Yeah, and I think it's a, in a weird way, I mean, at least in his head now, it's almost like the hunter, like when you stalk and you pray and you sort of learn your enemy, like, you know, where does they go? Well, how do they do this? So I think in his head right now, it's just like, well, she's thwarted me once, therefore I must kill her. I must right. go after her now. Right. So, it, yeah, I don't think he knows he's, you know, there's, there's a romantic anything or sexual Oh, no, right. Point. It's just like, oh my God, she's like thwarted me. I must go do this one and I'm going to take her down, you know, as soon as I figure out what she's doing and how she's doing it, so I can learn all her weaknesses, and I will be triumphant, ha 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 ha. Yeah, but by the end of the season, I remember the summer after the season, Spuffy fic took off. Oh, Like, it just Mm -hmm. exploded, and it was a lot of darker stuff where he goes and finds her in LA and all that stuff, and that's the stuff that I started reading around that time, is right, right at the end of season two, it all started coming into play. So if this is the beginning after they work together in, uh, Oh yeah, yeah for sure. But my shipper goggles yeah. are on for them constantly. So that's just me. Even in school hard when he's like, uh, going to check her out for the first time. I mean, he's checking her out. I mean, well, yeah. Spike's a pig about stuff like that. You know, he's like, not gonna be a super respectful dude about checking out chicks. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like, like the, um, the, the tension between uh, Buffy and Spike was there, like, right from the beginning. The chemistry between Sarah yeah. and James was, like, immediately there, more so than her and David. And as much as yeah. the two of them love to think they're each other's true loves, and I'm not saying Spike's Buffy's true love, it's just my ship, it's not, you can do whatever you want with that. But the fact that the chemistry between those two actors, who didn't love each other as much as Sarah and David did, it's, you know, you can just, you can feel it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I don't ship them. And I, I'm, when we get further along, I will have many things to say about it. But, um, I mean, to me, it's like there's the, the hate sex vibe, which is per- perfect. For sure. Yeah. Just, there's a lot of chemistry between them. So I see why, why it's there, but I just hated the way it eventually went on. Oh, that's, that, yeah. That's like, again, for another time. I'm not the kind of shipper that's like, all other ships must die. I'm like, cool. Read whatever floats your boat, you know? Yep. So. Oh, same here. Yeah. Just, it, at the time, I just remember this Buffy fandom being sort of over the top, and it was like a, you know, ten rows kind of thing where it was all encompassing, and yeah. it had to be this way. And like I said, there's 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 much to be said about it, but not all yeah. shippers are the same. And I'm sure I'm sure we'll say more about it. Well, we've, we we've are, discussed we coming... the, we've discussed the chemistry thing before. I think when we yeah. when we talked about school hard, we definitely the the comparative. Um, Sarah and David and Sarah and James. And I think we went into that in pretty, pretty extensive detail. So yeah, that is definitely a thing. 
Yeah. And of course, like, uh, Jan, uh, Andy and I are also coming from it from a different perspective because we were, uh, in the fandom, like, right from the very beginning. So during yeah. season two, like, the landscape of Spuffy was entirely different from when you oh, said yeah, that you I got in imagine. around season six. Because around season six, a lot of the people who, like, were even into it in season two were just like, oh, I'm not too sure about this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I, like I said, I mean, I sort of knew about it a little bit before, because even though I wasn't in Buffy Phantom and I wasn't actually watching it, I had friends who did. So I saw a lot of like discussion on LiveJournal or amongst my friends or in fanzines or what have you. So I was sort of aware of it. But yeah, it became like, you know, it just kind of exploded in not necessarily a good way. But yeah, I'm sure you guys saw it very differently, as we've seen in other fandoms that I won't start writing on people's ships about where, you know, before yeah. two people were actually involved and it was kind of a fun thing to play with. It was good. And then as soon as it became canon, it like went to hell in a handbasket. Oh yeah. Uh, and speaking of couples that go to hell in a handbasket, as soon as they hook up the scene after Buffy fighting in the graveyard is uh, Angel and Cordelia. Oh, hey, yes. Which I was going to say, there, there's a lot of palpable chemistry between those two. It, I think there is. more so than between him and Sarah. So I can see why that happened later on in Angel. Because I'm like, no, these two actually work better together, yeah. even though they're like complete polar opposites. Yeah. I, I, I like Cordy and Angel. I think it was mishandled on the television show Angel. Oh, God, yes. I think Some, it totally oh, could have worked. Um, but it just was written badly. But I think chemistry-wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. David and, David and Charisma are great together. And they're super yeah. pretty together i will have so many things to say about uh angel and cordelia once we get over on yeah. angel and because i have so, so many what? opinions on angels and this is this is and i think we have an important moment here this is the first time i believe that uh, cordelia gets uh, angel coffee yeah um and oh, it's probably well, much better be coffee yeah. than much better coffee than cordelia will get yeah, him later indeed <laughs> that she will make herself yeah um that sounds like so, it should be code for something but and then she got him coffee, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but... Question. In that scene, I can't tell if Angel's laugh at Cordy is genuine or polite. He's being polite. You think? Yeah. I think he's being polite, because, yeah, because I think he's, it's a really awkward moment for him, and he really wants to see Buffy. Yeah. And then, of course, she, like, completely cock-blocks it and... And I don't mean genuine, like, oh, I'm into this girl, just more like, okay, this ridiculous human being is making me laugh. So it, I, th you know. I think he doesn't really understand what she's saying. So it's like, yeah, that's that's funny. True. Yeah, True. don't yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. It's like Cordy's fake laugh in Reptile Boy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little better than that, though. It is. I, I was a, a bit better. thrown by his light powder blue shirt. They've been doing this a couple episodes, and I'm like, what's up with the light colors on Angel? And, and this shirt was untucked, too, which really bugged me. <laughs> Though I have to say, as somebody who's not a big fan of David Boreanaz, he was pretty cute in that scene. Like He was. Yeah. he. I found him very, very attractive probably the first two seasons or so. By the time he moved over to Angel, not so much and not so much now. Yeah. I, I'm not saying he's ugly. I'm, but, I mean, at the time, I mean, he's not, a, not an unhandsome dude. Yeah. So... Though I do have to say, like, what the fuck? Why is Angel just sitting at the bronze waiting for Buffy to come? Like, he's supposed to be some sort of... Okay, like, he's not been declared a champion yet, but he's supposed to be a fighter against evil, and so he's just sitting around for his girlfriend to come there. Well, Why I is think he so they fucking had useless? Plans, though. He's so useless if he's not on his own show. Right, but I think... Well, they did, they did have plans. And also, I, maybe it's me, but because he's sort of, he should be an old-fashioned guy, wouldn't he have like arranged to meet her and then walk to the bronze with her? 
you know, this is sort of like courtesy or dating mm. etiquette, not, oh, I'll meet you at the bar. <laughs> I mean, he's not that old-fashioned. When he was alive, he was basically hanging out with whores. So it's yeah, not like original OG Liam was like, let me walk this lady to her door. No, he's like, yeah, let that's... me go fuck a whore. That's something else I have in my notes about this episode. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Again, we've Great we've discussed minds. this before. the The whole angel is doesn't have a whole lot of dating experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they they I, I think they did have plans, and a lot of times she will say throughout the course of the series, "I'll meet you later after I'm done patrolling," or "I have to do this, and then I'll see you know." So I think he's I just, just sitting don't in the bronze. Get it? Why they why they put Angel on the side? I mean, I mean, I know why they do it, like in terms of like the show, because Buffy's the hero and everything. But mm. Angel should just be like, "Put me in, Coach. I've got superpowers." I mean, certainly right, they exactly. get over yeah. it later when it comes to Spike. But Angel's kind of fucking useless until he becomes a detective. He kind of is. <laughs> yeah, agree. Yeah, agree. Agreed. Cordy is a gift. But she I is. say that pretty much every episode, you know, like, she's just, she's just great. And she's just so awful and so great. <laughs> but she's, she said, I love her awfulness because she's real. I mean, she's oh, it's a great. Real, it's the whole mean girl thing. She fits in perfectly. And she just has, like, she really is funny. She has some of the best lines. It's just like, you know, zinger here, zinger there. And I, I love her. I just, I love her more than I did, I think, when I watched it the first time. So. I do feel, though, that, like, Cordelia's interest in Angel, at least at this point, is almost more just to compete with Buffy than it is yeah. an actual oh, interest sure. in Angel. Yeah, it's one of those things for where sure. she actually got him, she wouldn't know what the hell to do with him. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and later, I mean, she'll have that whole speech in the ladies' room uh, at school where she says, you know, where, where it comes to dating, I'm the slayer. Yeah. So it's like she has this this serious competitive thing going on. She Mm -hmm. does with Buffy through the entire time she's on the series before she moves up on her own. So, yeah, I mean, it's partially that Uh, I I was just going to say, I think a lot of Buffy's insecurities when it comes to Cordelia is the fact that they're very similar characters. I mean, like Cordelia is like running a couple of years behind Buffy, Mm -hmm. but they, they actually go on very similar trajectories trajectories because i mean buffy brings it up later like how similar she was to cordelia and later on we'll actually see cordelia become very buffy like and coincidentally that you know happens around the time that she and angel hook up Mm -hmm. and i think even darla has some of you know she is like the a shadow version of that like the this dark version of them but kind of these you know very strong women's very strong women who uh, kind of embrace femininity while also being super powerful. I think that's just totally what Angel is into. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the funny thing is, though, Cordy and Buffy are so competitive with the boys. Buffy always ends up getting the boy that Cordelia is, like, crushing on. Because, like, she tried to push up on Owen when Owen was, and he wanted nothing to do with Cordelia, he was all about Buffy. Angel's all about Buffy. So a lot of times, Cordy's the one that does not end up being the Slayer when it comes to dating yeah, guys that, that is love true. Buffy. So, yeah. I mean, she moves on. I think it's the whole like Queen Bee dynamic, though. She's used to everybody just like flocking to her, so that's why Buffy's a threat. Because all of a sudden, what do you mean this guy is not hanging all over me? Who's this mm-hmm. blonde chick that's doing it? So it's ego... 
And it's frustrating to her because, you know, Buffy's sort of coming in and being the usurper without even trying at times. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's kind of interesting to me that, uh, you know, you have this dynamic because Cordy in, in so many ways is the, is who Buffy used to be. Mm -hmm. You know, the popular girl, the cheerleader, everything. But Cordy is so, I mean, obviously we don't really know what Buffy was like when she, before she became the Slayer. But I, I mean, I sense that maybe she wasn't as mean as Cordy. So it's, so I think maybe there is, maybe there is this, this sort of double, this, this um, divided view Buffy has of this where Cordy Uh is a reminder of who she used to be and who in some ways she would still like to be rather than being the Slayer yeah I can see that yeah because there's a lot less responsibility to just be like vacuous and right but at the same time she also sees the the the, well the mean side of Cordy and 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 that she doesn't want to be like that so it's Cordy is kind of a double yeah, no, Cordy's sort of a double-edged sword for Buffy emotionally, in that sense. Yeah, it's there, by the grace of God, go I. I think Buffy wants to be like Cordelia in terms of being able to just sort of exist and shop and have friends and be a little more popular and maybe a cheerleader. I definitely don't think she wants to be mean to other human beings. Yeah, no, I mean, she she wants to be able to, you know... Uh, take the time on her appearance. Uh, she doesn't want to have blood on her clothing or, you know, messed up hair because she's been fighting. She wants to be able to go shopping. She wants to be able to hang out with her friends and date. She wants Cordelia's normal life. I say Buffy can be pretty fucking mean sometimes, so. Yeah, she, she can. can be. She can be. Yeah. Not delightfully so like Cordelia she just ends up saying stupid mean things it seems like Cordelia versus Buffy I mean I know when her parents were together Buffy his parents were together they probably had more money and yeah Joyce was not a single mom and having to worry about those things Cordy is but I don't think she was at the level of wealth as Cordy and her family so Cordy's not only like the queen bee she's also the richest girl in school Mm-hmm. She owns Toddledom dresses, you know, so there's some for difference n- there. For now. For now. For now. Yes. For now. So. Dun, dun, dun. So just dun, dun, dun. since we uh, went on to the topic of outfits a little bit, um, when we get into the next scene with uh, Willow and Xander and Buffy, uh, the outfit that Willow's wearing, they actually turned that into a toy by uh, More Action Collectibles, which is oh, nice. such a random one because it's, well, I mean, it's a really cute outfit. I really Thank you. You and I do like share it. a brain because I was like, <laughs> you could get away with wearing that outfit today. It's the oh, present yeah. blouse and the, you know, the jeans with the little, it's so cute. I would totally wear yeah. that outfit. Yeah, actually, surprisingly, this episode—well, maybe not surprisingly, because this has got some pretty iconic looks in it. But this—they uh, did a couple of toys from this episode, but this is the first one that turns up. But then they also do Army Xander and Diamond Select toys. Also did Willow in her Halloween costume. But they never did a Buffy in her Halloween costume. They I never did Buffy. That. No, I would have loved that. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, that is a very popular one to do a custom of. Uh, yeah, I, I, that in every outfit from Once More with Feeling. I just want to point out that this is a major, major thing here. I, I hope you're all sitting down. I, I, I have a fashion note. 
Ooh. <gasps> what? Yeah. Do it was tell. Like, is, is Buffy wearing plaid pants in this episode? Yes, she is. Oh, God, it's why? It's the 90s. God. It's the 90s. Oh, I remember it was the being, 90s. I, actually, I was going to say, I remember those being very in vogue, especially like the cropped, like, pants, plaid pants at that time with the big uh, platform shoe thing, or at least clunky here shoe things. So, oh, yeah, my God. Those, very in vogue like, this those is clunky just heels this. are back now, and I'm so happy about it. I just bought Oh, I know. Like, oh, my God, it's the 90s, and I love it. Well, they're easier to wear. Yes. I can only wear chunky heels, so I'm, I've got to go out and, like, buy new shoes and stuff, because stilettos kill my feet. I can't wear anything like that. But now I can have height again. Yay. But Buffy's sort of wearing just this, like, plaid pants that look like, I don't know, they're, they're like, this loose, loose, ill-fitting, like... Yeah, it's the 90s. Like, like it's like sweatpants, almost. And I'm like, really? You you wear... Th- I, well, again, again, I, I you know, I, I am... I am not the fashion plate here, so maybe maybe in the '90s this was a thing. I okay, it was, it was definitely it a thing. Was yeah, okay, that sort of it, it jumped out at yeah, me. Yeah, it's like they're sort of not quite punk pants, but they're like the ones that Peter Capaldi even was wearing on you know on various episodes of Doctor Who. They're just sort of those. Like, they look different on him. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, they're the same they're pants. More flattering. They're the they same look pants amazing that on Tara him. Wore. That's <laughs> that's why they look better on Peter Capaldi. <laughs> Oh, Everything yeah. looks better on Peter Capaldi. I'm sorry. I'm in love with Peter Capaldi. So there's that. You and me both, baby. <laughs> yeah. So in this scene, we're also introduced to the idea that Halloween is a day that vampires are just like not going out. So like. It's a religious holiday, I think. <laughs> They're just like. We no, don't do it's. Today. it's, we it's at home. They feel like it's become too commercialized or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. They don't actually ever explain it. No, they don't. I was I had wanted to like look up um about um uh all Saints Eve or you know Halloween salad. all the different kind of Oh, salad. I know a lot about that. Um, so, to see uh. to see if there was like a, a reason why and they might have put that in. I think they might have just done it cuz it's like we're going to be different. Yeah, I think so cuz there's absolutely nothing that I know from folklore or, or you know paganism or anything like that that ever said, well, you know, on Halloween Eve, usually the spirits are out. Yeah. You know, the, the walls between the worlds are supposed to be the thinnest at that point, so maybe the vampires are just like, you know what, we don't feel like dealing. We're just going to yeah. like, stay home tonight. Netflix and chill. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they do say it's vampires like that uh don't aren't into it. So I mean, maybe it's just like that there's other creatures that are just like Okay, this is going to be our thing, and the vampires are like, "Okay, you do your thing, and we'll do our stuff." You know, the other three hundred and sixty-four days of the year. But then, why would uh, why yeah. would Giles tell Buffy you don't have to patrol patrol tonight if there are other creatures? I don't there? know I don't because know. they're making Halloween not a big deal, and then every time Halloween comes around, something happens. So yeah, that in is the Buffy verse, but I mean, in this case, it's because Spike's not into ritual. So why would he stay home when he could go out and wreak havoc, whereas the master would have stayed home because it's Halloween? I guess, what is it, season six all the way? Uh, Spike mm-hmm. actually, like, reams out a couple, the, the young vampires for mm-hmm. going out on Halloween because they're just, and they're all like, we're rebels. And Spike's like, no, I'm a rebel. You're, you're just, you know, idiots. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So Spike actually does take it really seriously. I think um, this time is only different because of uh, Drusilla's vision. Which, True. Uh, that's right. Drew does have a vision. Yeah. 
that's why he goes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in this scene, um, we're introduced to Larry. Yes. Yay. Who I love. Who at the time I hated because, come on, he was so gross. But yeah, that is true. But yeah, they, by phases, I love him. They, they, mm, I love they, Larry. They do overplay him a bit here. Yeah. He's, yeah. Um, also in the scene, I just want to say, does anything date this scene more than the fact that Xander can actually use pocket change to buy a soda? <laughs> <laughs> and also, I want to note, there is no Diet Dr. Pepper button on that machine, and Buffy oh. gets a Diet Dr. Pepper. Yeah. That's how hard she that? hit it. <laughs> Diet Dr. Pepper came out. Yeah. I mean, I'm so conflicted with this scene with Larry and Xander, because I'm still, to this day, a Larry and Xander shipper, but it's so much fucking toxic masculinity. Oh, I see, that's my, half I'm my totally. notes are toxic masculinity, Xander, Xander, fuck you, toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> and it well, made me enjoy this episode a lot. Like, I used to love this episode. I watched it all the time. But in the last couple of years, on my last couple of rewatches, I've been like, yeah, I don't love this, but I still like this episode a great deal. But I don't all love it the way I used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Xander's plot line in this whole episode is all about toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be, we're supposed to be happy at the end um that he's reached his resolution by finally being able to you know become a man right but it's like oh god this is so gross i mean even willow yeah. she's like boys are so fragile <laughs> yes <laughs> she says that now then she, at first she says oh poor xander boys are so fragile no poor xander boys are so fragile and we're not talking about men like you david that line stood out to me, especially, you know, considering other things we've been talking about. Um, you know, th- there's been a lot of that noticing male fragility out in the world. So <laughs> it just seemed like, yeah, things haven't changed much in 20 years. No, no. they really haven't. No. But but speaking of Willow, I mean, we haven't gotten there yet. But this is a, the episode where Willow gets to take charge for the first time. She's great. Oh, this and this is going to yeah. be, you know, we're going to get there and that's going to be terrific. Yeah, we will talk about that more uh, later on. But yes, this episode is definitely, I think, um, where we... This is where Willow changes from season one Willow into the Willow that we'll see uh, later on in the show. This is she's finally Willow. Yes, she is no longer kind of the wallflower. She is willing to take charge and actually get things done. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she looks really hot. (laughs) Okay, we, we... Everything in order. Uh, yeah. The next thing yeah. is uh, Willow and Buffy with uh, their subterfuge for Ch- with Giles because they that wanted- was like as I was saying earlier. This is like one of those episodes where this is like to me quintessential Buffy because you've got like all this horror stuff going on. Then you have this wonderful, wonderful comedy scene and just like physical comedy and like just looks and that whole scene just works so beautifully. Like for everybody, it just it's directed well it's shot well it's mm-hmm. cut well it's just everybody's like on point there yeah i mean it's great jenny is not even in this episode and still i was shipping it so hard in this episode oh, right? it's like look at how adorable giles is when he's like and giles is, <laughs> is cross-referencing it's like his relaxing mm. hobby is cross-referencing hey hey cross-referencing for the win i just i it, it is a great scene <laughs> Well, I just, I love Buffy's line there. She's like, do you stuff your own shirts or do you have them sent out? Like, it's it's great. It's a great line. It's a great interaction. Mm. Pretty smart of Buffy to, like, turn it on. Like, you know, Miss Calendar said. Yeah. Yeah. You're a hunk of hunk of burning something. Yeah. Something. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, he hunk is. Hunk of burning 
Giles, yes. I mean, he totally is, yes. Though I thought I found his uh, sweater, or whatever, in that scene to be really odd. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not. Be- maybe it's because he's not wearing the tweed jacket, but it was very light colored, and it just kind of threw me. Yeah, they put him in some Mister Rogers sweaters every now and then in this first yeah. and second season. You're like, yeah, that's not Giles. It's like Angel in his beige coat. You're like, what? Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, and I love that we get to see two totally different sides of Giles in this episode, which oh I think God. is going to make such a, and we'll get to it later, but it's such a great contrast that you see Nebish cross-referencing, like, adorably clueless <laughs> Giles, and just in, like, 20, 30 minutes, you're going to get a totally different dude. When so you were saying really cross-referencing, I initially thought you were going to say cross-dressing and with well, the Tony had mental images that, but... of Tony as Frankenfurter. <laughs> I will, this is not a bad what? thing. I will make sure when this episode airs that I put up a picture of Tony dressed as uh, as Frankenfurter uh, oh, he on, looked our great. Facebook page, on our Facebook page. Because <laughs> okay, he's we yes, do that. gorgeous. Gorgeous, yes. gorgeous. Yeah, the other thing I was I was going to say is, I mean, in, in a way, I remember when I first saw this, I mean, just that whole, and I didn't actually know about the Ripper thing, even though I think it was discussed. I mean, I think that was around the, when I was watching, that was around the time where they were talking about doing the, the spinoff. Mm-hmm. But when you don't know this is going to happen, and all of a sudden it does happen later, it's like, it's such a beautiful, like, juxtaposition, because it really comes out of it's nowhere. It's totally out of nowhere, yeah. And it's awesome. And I was watching it, when I was watching it again, I was saying, God, you know, I really wish I didn't know this, because that's such a great surprise. Oh, it was an amazing surprise. Yeah, no, I remember at the time being, like, super surprised, because it's like, oh yeah. my god, they know each what? other. What's Ripper? Oh my god, what's going on? No. Wait, he oh, just yeah, decked was... him. Oh, he's so hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a huge surprise. So we'll, we'll go back to that. The book that uh oh, the book. willow and buffy stole from um first of all they're like who is she i don't know it doesn't have a name on it, it totally her name is right does. there I, I, it says sarah goodbrain yeah i, I am right. I, that really pissed me off i was like who is she it doesn't say yes it does <laughs> it's yeah right it was there yeah, right there uh. yeah <laughs> yeah that is very mm. very silly I like Care Bear with Fangs. Oh, that's what I love that too. In, yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's like my favorite name for Angel. Well, no, yeah, actually, that's too. not true because like Lauren has some great ones. So, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, everything Lauren says yes. is gold. So, well, yes, um, and he calls Angel pastries. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, a bit of yeah, bit of math here. Yeah. Uh, if Angel was eighteen in seventeen seventy five, that means he would have been born in seventeen fifty seven. I haven't gone into detail researching this, but the Buffyverse wik- wiki says that he was born 30 years earlier than that. Yeah, uh, there's, the math they is never all agree wrong. on how old Angel is. Yeah, it's it's. I yeah, mean, this may, this may just be an issue of oh, we haven't actually nailed this down yet, and it winds up being wrong. But it's it's a very it's a very specific reference. Yeah. Well, remember how that uh, spike is barely 200? Oh, yeah. You know, at, at yeah. 100 and something. And you're like, Maybe he's not even really, 200. Really he's math. not even close to 200. Yeah. It, it's yeah. almost like with the with the doctor on Doctor Who. And it's just like they throw out random dates where it's just like, this sounds kind of old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it works, I think, a little bit better there because of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff you're like okay which doctor what era you know 
Right. But on this, I'm like, dude, yeah. you needed a show Bible. I keep saying this like every third episode that we do. Y'all mm-hmm. needed a show Bible to keep yeah. track of. Because they needed somebody who was just like continuity expert. Yeah, the continuity so later expert. on, they would just say, yeah. yeah, like, you know, basically, you know, show Bible in their head. And like, no, it's not because you said this and that. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it can't be. You know, this. it's got to be this date, not that date. But. I'm yeah, still waiting for, for sure. someone yeah. to actually make that a real job so they can hire me. Oh, my God. There yeah. are TV Same. shows that have, like, continuity experts that are basically yeah. in charge of coming in. Yeah, somebody, uh, reading I know Game script. of Thrones actually does have somebody. Uh, uh, Star Wars uh, has yes, somebody who does they that. They actually have an official, so anyone writing oh, yeah. in any media in Star Wars, or the novels or the comic books or a toy, they actually have to run it through the department that does the continuity check on it. Yeah. Uh, but this is also Star Wars universe, which was not made on the fly for the WB in 1998. So, yeah, and also, I mean, it's taken them like 40 years or whatever to actually get to that point because Star Wars continuity was a fucking oh, mess. Crazy. Right. That's why they had to chuck it all out and start over again. Yeah, for sure. But that's another podcast. It's called The Trash Compactor, and hopefully we'll have another episode. Go listen to it. It's great. I'm plugging my friend's podcast. (laughs) But yeah, I don't, you know, and obviously this episode doesn't pass the Bechdel test again, because the girls just talk about boys, which I guess at this point I'm sort of like, that's what 16-year-old girls do. I get it. Well, I mean, the conversation about Willow's costume, that wasn't really about boys. It wasn't. I mean, it was, that was more about bothered just Willow me. being comfortable yeah. in her own skin. Yeah, but it sort of also led to the, the the people that she wants to notice her are boys. So it's, yeah. it's sort of like a subtextual thing that, well, we will make, you know, you, you're sort of being invisible. You're hiding yourself and you're not hot, you know, even though you are. And then the kind of like pays off at the end but it's still subtextually yeah. it's boys not just people in general well, and i was really kind of ticked off at buffy during that which is the next scene after the watcher diary and i'm like can you let your friend make her own choices about her level of comfortability with wearing something like if yeah. her boo is what makes her comfortable then don't pressure her, Buffy. Yeah. Though I do have to say that was a fucking terrible costume. Oh, <laughs> yes. It is a terrible but costume, boo, yeah. but, you know, we support our friends' comfort levels. Well, yes. No, I mean, yeah. I, I was uncomfortable this... with, with Buffy pressuring Willow. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean there, there would have been, like, a certain amount I probably would have gotten by with, but it's she really just keeps pushing it. She was... She was pushing really hard yeah. on that. Yeah, I do agree. And it's also, considering she goes from, like, zero to 60, they're, they're also, if you sort of, like, do it in stages if somebody's, like, uncomfortable with things, you don't just go from, like, you know, boo to, you know, bare midris or something. Yeah. She, she, she didn't point out anything in the story either and say, well, maybe this would be better. Or, you know, you could try this. Yeah. It was just, like, you shan't, you can't do this. Yeah. It's like, it's Halloween. It's, like, it's the, it's the stereotype. It's Halloween. It's time to be slutty. I was going to say, that pisses me off, because that's the thing now, that, you know, when you look at women's Halloween costumes, everything is slutty, fill-in-the-blank for yeah. women. And there is a big backlash against that mm-hmm. now. Exactly, yeah. which is good. Now, I'm not going to lie. Around this time in my life, Halloween meant I could wear as little clothing as I wanted <laughs> and totally get away with it, and I loved it. It made me think of the scene from Mean Girls, where it's just like wearing lingerie with animal ears. Right, for sure. And I, I mean, my costumes were a little more creative than that but i lived in las cruces new mexico which 
at Halloween time, it's 75 degrees out. It's 80 degrees out. You know, it's even hotter than it is in Albuquerque, where I'm from. So wearing a skimpy costume was like easy to do because you're going to go to a party in the desert when it was 75 degrees mm-hmm. out at night. So yeah. not going to lie, I did it. Yeah, I was in New York, upstate New York and Chicago. And so by October, the end of October, it's actually, especially in Chicago and upstate New York, it's freaking cold. So mm-hmm. you have to sort of wear, wear more, more layers. Yeah, you can. yeah so... Um, well, for Halloween, I've never done a skimpy costume. For some conventions, I have done skimpier. Um, I, I did, uh, and uh, I know some of you have all actually seen this costume my uh, my Sailor Who costume, which mm-hmm. is, yeah. which is which is a, which is a Sailor Moon type costume, but the skirt is like super short on that one, and I've been like self conscious while wearing that. And I've also done for does any is anybody familiar with Cowboy Bebop the anime? Mm-hmm. I know it, but I don't know the. I did the sure. character Faye Valentine oh, from that, which yeah, uh, which is basically short yellow shorts and short little crop top, and that's kind of it. Yeah, pretty mm. much. My and, my favorite since we're, we'll all ask about our our favorite Halloween or cosplay costumes now i guess um my favorite is a group of my friends and i went as hoary storybook characters so i was like little red riding ho um <laughs> little ho peep um sleeping booty and there was another one alice in Hobagland? i don't know oh, God. Um, anyway and so my friend made us all our costumes. Oh, that's wonderful. And he made mine where the skirt could be rolled up to get it really short. But when I had to dress up for work for the, the which had kids and bobbing apples and stuff at a at an mm-hmm. apartment I was managing, it would go down to my knees and I could put a, a full shirt on under the bustier. So it wasn't, <laughs> I still have it. And it was me and three drag queens. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, yeah it was it. like, oh, we had to do a whole set, and I was the only bio woman in the group. So that was my favorite. So if you're listening, Brad, because I know you do, we were adorable in those costumes. I, I just want to point out, Snyder would be very dis- disappointed in you because you went bobbing for apples. Uh, I know. <laughs> Sorry, Snyder. I guess, so since we're having costume confessions here, I, I, I never did anything. I can't think of anything that raunchy that I did for Halloween but when I was in college I actually had it was sort of a Mad Max-esque meets Adam and the Ants type costume I actually had like a leather halter that my then boyfriend bought for me at uh, the local rent fair so it was like almost backless and very low cut but then I, w- I had like black leather pants and black boots and did like funky stuff with my hair and war paint and stuff so but David kind of my character for a while yes. what was your funnest halloween costume yeah let's hear what's your skimpiest halloween costume i, I honestly I, I don't even remember the last time i wore a halloween costume i i mean i haven't i haven't done it since i was a kid generally generally people tell me oh it's a costume party and i come up with some concept that allows me to do as little work as humanly kind of like oz's so you're co- like xander I, like I, oz's costume in the oh yeah, i in love the next halloween episode. in fear itself yeah. so which we'll get to you in a year but or yes so. but no i mean like one time i just i i put some tape on my glasses got a pocket protector and went as someone geekier even than me and, Aww. and yeah, that was, 
That was that was my entire costume. <laughs> You're like Xander. You're the two dollar costume yeah. king, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Now I will say my my partner, my fiance, is not huge on wearing costumes. So when we go places or to cons and stuff, we just tell everyone he's cosplaying as Mystique. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Excellent. Actually, I yeah. once got to go to a party that was a Dave party. Everyone had to come as someone named Dave. And if you were named Dave, you had to come as yourself. And I was <laughs> in heaven for a costume party because I'm like, whatever I wear is my costume. <laughs> you would have to be the most Dave you could be, like put on your most Dave outfit, like your classic no. whatever. No. I just, no, I just had to put on whatever I would wear because I'm Dave. Nice. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So... I am a bit confused. I mean, I know he has to do it for the plot, but why does Xander buy his gun at a costume shop? Why doesn't he just go to the fucking dollar store? I don't know, because he's with the girls and they're out and the plot. Yeah, it was just all plot driven. Because, yeah, you would go to Toys R Us and, or the, the dollar store, yeah, and buy like a I would, plastic gun for a bottle. Yeah, I would seriously, I would go to Dollarama and just like. I mean, I go to Dollarama to pick up guns now, to, but I mean, I don't use them like in the form they're in. I, you know, of course, yeah, you, them. yeah. I have many. And also, I made like a weird little note just about Xander in general that I, I felt like he was purposely trying to like channel Bruce Campbell, like Ash from <laughs> the, Evil Dead through the whole thing. Well, if you're gonna go for like a badass guy, then yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah definitely. Like, it was just like I'm, one of those things where I'm like. You know, I think he's really trying to be Ash here, like the whole way through. It's just like he was channeling Bruce Campbell. For I I am now really disappointed he did not refer to his gun as his boomstick. Boomstick. That yes, is my boomstick. Um, That'd be a great way for him to refer to it to Lady Buffy. So yes. right, and I'm sure knowing Xander, he loves the Evil Dead franchise because oh doesn't? yeah, oh yeah. So um, so we get Ethan. Yes, we get Ethan. Ethan. They're in the costume Yay. shop, and we get Ethan. <laughs> Oh. And Ethan's lovely. lamented Robin Sachs. I know. We miss him. He was lovely. Mm-hmm. And we don't know anything about him, except the way it's filmed and the way he's talking. You're like, something's up with that guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely. Right. Especially when he's suddenly like, oh, here, here's this dress that you totally can't afford, but you're cute. So, you know, I'll totally find a way to make it for you because you need this dress. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. I was kind of wondering, does he know Buffy is the slayer? Oh, I'm like, sure he does. Yeah. Because, I mean, I feel like he, like, you know, oh, here is this. Take this costume that'll turn you into someone completely helpless so that you can't ruin my plan, even though I don't have a plan past things being chaotic. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he knows <laughs> that Giles is in Sunnydale, so I have no doubt that Ethan knows that 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 is Buffy yeah. and that's yeah. who she is. And if she looked at some other beautiful or otherwise something costume, he would have pushed that on her too or given her the discount regardless of what she was staring yeah. at. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, because he knows that he Giles is a watcher. I mean, he says it later. So mm-hmm. even if he didn't know a hundred percent that Buffy was the Slayer, I think he would have at least seen her with Giles. I mean, he he knows things. So. Yeah, and also yeah, he he's obviously he evil because his name is Ethan. And come on, like that's such a bad guy name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess I miss that. My my friend's nephew is an Ethan, and he was always yeah. Like a my sweet friend, kid, so my friend's I've never known an, Ethan, an evil Ethan. Really sweet. Yeah, every Ethan I know in real life is really sweet. 
my brother's and Ethan's. <laughs> oh, well. Well, that explains it. They're well, and we're not going to ask you if he's sweet or not because he's your brother. So, like, sometimes yes, sometimes no. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, but I mean, actually, in, ter- in terms of, like, name conventions on TV, like, Ethan Rain. Oh, that oh sounds like yeah. evil Ethan guy. Rain is definitely evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Ethan Rain. <laughs> Sorry, I just yeah. there's this um, web the the a radio series that I know MC and I both listen to called Cabin Pressure, and that's a nice people with evil sounding names was one of the games that they played on that. So definitely Ethan Rain, definitely yes, Ethan Rain, definitely is an evil. Yeah, just as an name. aside, I actually when I saw this, I knew him because he was a regular character on Babylon Five, ah. even though he was always under like uh, oh t- like text, ton of makeup. He was, yeah, he was one of them in Bari. Um, more than once, so he's kind of a. He also played character. the main bad guy in Galaxy Quest. Right, right. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen that movie like a bazillion times. Yep, that's him. That's Robin Sachs under there. I... Oh, it's he's under the makeup. Okay, gotcha. No yeah. wonder. Okay, which is why yeah, like I said, in a... Babylon Five, he was almost always covered too because mm-hmm. he was in Bari with the head. He's and a stuff. very yeah. attractive man. Why do you want to cover him up? Because he's got a really nice voice. He does. And I think, yeah. yeah. He resonated even under latex. Under latex. That, so, you know, he was able yeah. to do that kind of thing. Yeah. And there are some actors who are better at acting underneath all of that latex. I mean, that comes up later when we get some. Um, oh, I can't remember the guy's Camden name Camden Toy. The Camden Toy. Yes. Uh, and the amazing uh, Doug Jones. And Doug Jones. The uh, actors who are just a lot better mm. at act. Or not a lot better, but that are quite good at doing body acting as opposed to facial acting or exaggerated acting with their face so that mm. the latex won't interfere so that they can still emote. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, somebody like Andreas mm. Katsoulis, who was on Babylon 5, but he was also, um, he was the uh, Tomalock on Star Trek Next Generation. So he was the same kind of thing where he had a very resonant voice and he was able to act with the body and not just the face mm-hmm. under all the, yeah. the prosthetics. So, yeah. yes. so since we're there, should we talk about the dress? We can talk about the dress. Thoughts on the dress? My first reaction to it is, oh my god, it's Aurora's pink dress from Sleeping Beauty. It's totally a Disney princess dress. It is not anything remotely yes. historically oh, accurate. Oh, it's so not historically accurate. I think... But I also... I know, like, I, every time I see this episode... Because this is around the time I was taking my history of fashion class, which was required for my theater major. And our teacher, who was amazing, taught it as a social history. Like, look at the spires and this architecture and how in 20 years this is going to be reflected in clothing. So it was super like, that is not. But then I realized this time through, I was like, but how many costumes you get from a costume shop for Halloween are historically accurate? They're just not. Yeah. Like, they're just, they're just not and that's fine like if i go and rent a costume from our local costume shop i don't expect it to be perfect so yeah yeah, yeah. I, I didn't either but it's it, to me it's like it's not even like trying to be anything mm-hmm. like you know from 1775 it's just totally like scream disney princess yeah is, there's nothing wrong with it but the fact that buffy is like thinking oh i want to be somebody from angel's time and i want to be you know all historical and then it's like this hot pink barbie pink gown you know, with, and stuff. It just was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you want to be a princess, and that's okay. I think there's an episode where Pe- Buffy says to someone, which which boy was it, that she's just not into history, she's more into the now. Yeah. Which guy did she say yeah. that to? I can't remember. Um. So, yeah, I mean, she wants to be a Disney princess, and the wig is terrible. Not the one that comes yeah. with the costume, because that's a dumb costume wig. 
But mm-hmm. the one where she actually turns into the lady and all of a sudden her hair is long and mm-hmm. not a good wig. Yeah, yeah and I was, I was, that actually baffled me because I'm like, well, if her hair was... If she's turning into this thing and her hair was up, why wouldn't her hair stay up since it's all magic anyway? All of a sudden now she's got like the share wig on her head. <laughs> you believe life after love. <laughs> but Cynthia Bergstrom, the costume designer, did say this was her very favorite episode. Yes. That she yeah. ever did. Um, well, she probably had a lot of fun with it, and that's really. Well, I mean, you also have Cordy's costume, and I'm not gonna lie, Xander's arms in that tank top are are pretty. Holy great. shit, lo- man! Like, yes. what? you know that's why they made him take the jacket. I know, off, just he so she could show really off that good. physique. He looks really good, and Willow, and looks also yummy. so that David can contribute to right. This. David, um, would you like to talk about Willow's costume under the boo now? Oh, Willow! <laughs> Willow looks great. I love Willow. You know I love Willow. Uh, well, no, I mean, we just thought that you might, because, um, I mean, I will fucking say this, Allie Hannigan has gorgeous abs. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> she looks she looks so beautiful there. The only thing is, like, when Giles says, you know, Giles' line later about the ghost of what, I'm just like, well, you know, maybe she should have just said I'm cosplaying Buffy. Yeah. Um, and, but that would have said that would have saved the entire episode because then she would have turned into the Slayer and been like, you know, kicking everybody's ass. Yeah. It is a but, very good question, though. Um, though, according to the script, Willow's costume was hot rocker chick, which I <laughs> think is nice. I think it's nice foreshadowing for her and Oz hooking up. So. Mm. Yeah, because nobody ever says what the hell she's supposed to be. It's just all of a sudden she comes out and she looks amazing. Mm. Yeah, but it's like it's Halloween. You're supposed to be dressing up and being somebody else, but you're, she's just wearing a crop top and she's a basically and wearing and her makeup is off. She's wearing clothes from Buffy's closet. This isn't is a costume. Yeah, exactly. She's just wearing the stuff that Buffy had in her closet that was the. Because so they should have said, I'm, I'm dressed up as Buffy. That would have. I mean, you know, that would have been, been I would read that fanfic. Yeah, I think I've read that fanfic. Does does Buffy actually wear anything even remotely like that throughout the series? No, she doesn't. Okay. No, never. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe she put together different things that she would never pair together to make it more... Possibly. I yeah. don't know, whatever, but yeah, it's I, obviously from Buffy's closet. Okay. <laughs> but because she had the boo over her costume, it turned her into the boo. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, but it's one of those things where it's just like, but what was she supposed to be again? And it's, but it's also the other thing that struck my mind at the time is it's, you know, the old trope of like suddenly, you know, the woman takes off her glasses and she shakes out her hair and says, oh my God, Miss Jones, you're beautiful. And it was like, that's kind of like, that's Willow's that's moment. That's basically Willow's you know? moment, right? Which is awesome. Which nobody yeah. sees really but Oz and Giles. But it's important that Oz does see it, because who is that girl? Yeah, And also, I mean, it's great that Oz's reaction to Willow in that outfit is exactly the same reaction as Oz's reaction to her in the the Eskimo costume. I also love Oz when he looks at Cordy and goes, you're like a great big cat. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes, it's just my costume. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I and, love every yeah, single can line. Can we talk about how awesome Oz is all the way through? Yes. I mean, like, the whole thing with him and Cordy and the, you know, have you seen Mr. I haven't even blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I think his name is he's Devin go, He's now. going I mean, he's by just, Devin like, now. He's so yeah. good at the dry one-liners. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, he's fantastic. I, I don't know that I approve of his guitar, but other than that, he's fantastic. Okay, tell us what's wrong with his guitar. I think... I don't even remember what he was playing, I so... Think those, I on. think those pickups don't go well on that guitar. Oh, Okay. I mean, we don't see him play it, so maybe it sounds great. I don't know, but we just yeah. see him putting it in the case. So, 
Yeah, I mean, like, as we're going through the episode, there are a couple of moments I really love, sort of, as they're transitioning from the costume shop, which is one is the thing about being a big cat, and then Xander's speech about sleezing extra candy and how to do it in that, like, military voice is... Which makes me, this is, I always feel so conflicted about Xander because he's, this whole episode, I'm so infuriated at him. And then he says something like, it's just so cute. And Mm -hmm. I just. Yeah, well, I think when we were talking about toxic masculinity, but I think when he's with the kids, it doesn't really come off that way to me. It's like, even though he's kind of being like drill sergeanty, you know, or cub leader ish, somehow it works with the kids because it's kind of, it's a funny thing as compared, and he's. And he's teaching them how to scam candy. It's not like, you know, you're not going to, you know, do this. Right, you're not going to yeah. do that. You're going to be mean to girls. It's just, it's a cute moment. And it fits yeah. much more than anything he's, else. He's essentially, he's essentially just being a slightly older kid. Which he yes. is. Like, Which he like, is. Yeah, he's, like, he's like, okay, I, I've been through this. And here's what you're going to do because I've it's done this. Really, it's a but I am like speech. a year older than you. <laughs> right. You know, here's the other thing that I noticed. Military Xander, memory loss Xander, has no problem taking orders from women and deferring mm-hmm. to women throughout right. the middle part of this episode. He does mm-hmm. what Willow tells him. He actually takes shit from Cordy pretty well without. So it's interesting is when he loses his memory and becomes macho military guy, he has no problem sort of following the chain of Willow's command. Mm-hmm. Just to take a trip back to Buffy fandom in 1997. Yeah, that's, do it, this do is 97. Do we need a um, time displacement sound effect here? <laughs> but there were so many fanfics all about Xander and uh, turning into the military guy. And even before Innocence, everybody was saying online that he still remembered the military training. Like it was like this whole subgenre of Halloween fix huh. would come that came out, uh, mostly about Xander and you know becoming the military man because Xander at the time was super huge. But there was also a bunch of fix where it was like, what if Buffy dressed up like this? And I do what if Buffy dressed up as Xena? Yes, I did read one. There was Buffy yeah. dressed up as Xena. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, oh, the other thing I was going to say, I'm going to put a picture on our Facebook page. Um, also. As you're listening to this episode, I actually have a dress, and I know I showed the rest of you guys off microphone, of yes. the dress that I, I wore yeah. that is about 100 years off, but looks remarkably like the Buffy dress, and is from a production of Tortuga I did. So you can see what I looked like around the time that this episode came out. <laughs> and you looked awesome! Uh, it was yep. an amazing dress, cost about $3,000, yep. it was someone's senior Yikes. thesis, so I will put that on our Facebook as well. Wow. Um, okay. I'll put that in pictures of Tony had dressed as Frankenfurter. So that yes. I, will definitely I remember that. that. Um, so by so, the way, about, you know, the whole taking out the kids, I, maybe it's just Snyder isn't very thoughtful about these things, but it's sort of like he gives this whole speech about how he doesn't want Buffy talking to the children because he doesn't want them influenced by her because she's a bad influence. Why then does she does he force her to take the kids out? Because he's Snyder and he's not very yeah. helpful. Okay. Snyder, and it makes no sense, and I, he's he's just an idiot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he's like, I'm I gonna guess. make you do a thing, but then I'm gonna, yeah. It's just Snyder's uh, very contradictory, so I love it. I it's, think the thing is Snyder hates children, so 
putting Buffy with children is a punishment. Right. So. Good, good point. Yeah, no, he, is, he does not like... He certainly doesn't... He, we know he hates students. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we also... I'm also fairly certain that somebody who looked like Buffy when Snyder yes. was in high school turned him down oh, for the problem. Sure. Oh, oh, yeah. I also yeah. think he thinks but that I, she's a demon. Possibly, Like, yeah. my, my, my headcanon mm-hmm. always has been... That, you know, because he's in league with the mayor and he does know about some of the supernatural elements, you know, even we're not going to get the mayor for like a year, but he's still the mayor and he still knows what's going on in Sunnydale. So I'm sure there are orders to sort of watch this girl mm-hmm. and Snyder doesn't know why. So he thinks she's a demon. Right. Because oh, also Snyder knows there's supernatural stuff going on. We saw that back in school hard where he's making excuses right, he and kind of cleaning stuff up. So, yeah. So he's aware that there's something off about her and there's weird shit going on. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah. definitely. I was going to say Armin Shimmerman appreciation here. I just like, again, he sells it so well. Mm-hmm. He's like, you want to smack him up so oh, badly, yeah. but he's great at it. Uh, oh, one of the things that I noted for this episode is you can definitely tell this is pre-Columbine Massacre. Because oh, yeah. there is oh, yeah. no way Xander would be, one, allowed to bring a gun, a fake gun in school, or two, allowed to point it at another student. Like, that shit could get you expelled mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and frankly, when he does turn into military guy, I am convinced a bunch of people got shot that night. But oh, like, yeah. Like, I'm before sure. Willow got to him and said, no more shooting. Like I am convinced, there are a lot of there are a lot of people lying around with major bullet wounds. There are small children. Yeah. Lying oh God, let's dead. Good, good job, about this. Yeah, yeah like um, we're gonna like we're just gonna wave that away. But um, I was like, do we want to talk about Buffy and the helplessness? I'm not bothered by it, just okay. because it's like this is like the one episode where we do get Buffy like pretty helpless. I mean. I mean, I guess in the episode Helpless, she's obviously kind of helpless. Right. But, I mean, it, it's such a, you know, counter to the way Buffy usually is that, like, the, I was going to say that the act break where Willow's like, Buffy, what are we going to do? And Buffy just faints. That's a fucking great act break. Mm-hmm. Oh, it totally And is. also, uh, yeah. um, Buffy cowering and clinging onto Cordelia, it's it's also counterbalanced by the fact that Willow is really taking charge, mm-hmm. and Cordelia is also, like, not really shying away from things. Right. Well, I took it as a I take it as a plot point. I mean, it's one of the things where this is the whole point of the story, so therefore it has to be done. From a historical point of view, I was getting... It frustrates me because obviously all women back then certainly were not, you know, just little shrinking violets and fa- always needed their fainting couches and this and that. But I, I think it's sort of like become what you're wearing and it's it, because it's the sort of like Disney princess fake whatever yeah. is in Buffy's head. So that's how it is. So I accept it, but it's frustrating. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't mean let's talk about that in terms of like, oh, feminist content, which is what I usually yeah, no, I just meant like... Sarah, I find, is usually really funny, and I don't... This time around, I was like... It fell flat. It fell flat. I agree. And what accent is she trying to do? I was going to ask somebody that, because I have no idea. Is she English? Is she, like... Is she Southern? Is she Southern? And she's like... David Boreanaz is her accent coach. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that explains everything. There you go. No, I, I, I I remember thinking, it's like, wow, Sarah is really not... And because I, I was thinking, everyone else is doing a great job, and Sarah's not up to snuff this week. Like, why yeah. in that in that section? 
So I'm right. like, I mean, yeah. I don't, it's not like the worst piece of acting I've ever seen. She's oh, no, 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 no. fun and it's cute, but it's really, it's odd. Even though she's the lead, I don't always see Buffy as the straight man, you know, in mm-hmm. the comedy. Yeah. A lot of it is very, I mean, a lot of Xander gets a lot of it, but Buffy is punny and witty. And so it was just, it was a weird misstep in performance which usually means a weird misstep in writing or directing or now i do love sarah michelle geller with dark hair she looks really yeah, great. She's beautiful I, that's why hair. i like the cos- the costume wig i mean you know it was a little cheesy but it actually looks really oh awesome. yeah the costume wig is cheesy because it's supposed to be it's a costume wig but yeah yeah but the really, color the and color everything was, just, uh, yeah it, i mean that's closer she looked to great. sarah's natural color anyway um but so yeah i just thought we'd talk about buffy for a few minutes check in with her you know, I was wondering whether, like, Sarah just, like, couldn't wrap her head around what she was supposed to do. I mean, it was it is. It's, like, a very odd performance from her there. There's also, I mean, you did mention the writing. And, I mean, I do think, actually, with some of the other stuff that Joss might have, you know, come in and done a rewrite on things. But there's just some lines that are just really clunky. Like, the whole, I like the man with the musket line. Do you have a musket? Okay, I like that one, though. That's <laughs> one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I don't know. Favorites. I like the line, too. I feel like they were trying way too hard. It's like the writers did not know how to write Buffy as someone other than Buffy. So it's like, let's, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. turn her into this little mouse. And again, mouse. this guy only wrote the one episode. Yeah. And I think it was yeah. rewritten heavily by Joss. Yeah. So. Yeah, because a lot of the jokes felt very... I, I was surprised to find out that Joss didn't write this because it feels very Joss-esque. Mm. In terms of just content and, and yeah. feeling over there, so. but this is a very solid season two episode. Oh, it kind is. of it's, uh, it's really, getting yeah. things to the point where we're going to see throughout season two where Willow is starting to take charge. We get a lot of Zandelia stuff. I know, and it, and it's building it, and he gives her his jacket. I mean, he's yeah. military. Xander doesn't know who he is, but he's very yeah. You know, so, you know, and that's always that trope. It's like, if you give a girl your jacket, I'm like, it must mean she's cold and needs an extra jacket. And Cordelia was totally into it. Like, oh, Cordelia she was, was totally like, hey, like, Xander. She's like, well, especially when she saw those arms, right? she was like, oh, wait. Yeah. Not gonna <laughs> lie, you know. And I don't feel that pervy because Nikki wasn't actually 16. You know, uh, he was. Right. No, he, w- he was like 45 or something. <laughs> 26? <laughs> <laughs> I mm, 23 20 I don't know and, and I was gonna say in the midst of all that too um just a sideline about Cordy again I love the fact that she wasn't affected by all this and she's just being like and everybody actually is sort of like why isn't she like a cat <laughs> it's just like a nice thing that fits in there because she's completely out of sync with everybody else mm-hmm. but- so speaking of speaking of Cordy not being affected I noticed we do not see anybody else just walking around in a costume everybody we see is transformed is cordy the only person who bought a costume somewhere other than ethan's maybe party town isn't actually in sunnydale maybe it's like she went to la for the weekend or something mm, okay maybe I or i don't know i mean maybe those people ran away as fast as they could yeah and just got out or, of the way or xander um, shot them i was even <laughs> Or Xander shot them. Even the small children, like, did, 
do parents usually bring like the small children only to like a, a fancy costume shop to buy their Halloween costumes? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know. Growing up, I never did. My parents went to like you know the local store. Yeah. Or, my mom made you know, ours. The drugstore or something. Yeah, my mom yeah. made ours. Or we made those. Yeah. My Princess Leia costume. Oh, that's my second favorite costume. My mother, because I had short pixie Dorothy Hamill kind of hair, so uh. my mother took earmuffs. <gasps> oh my god! And so wrapped. Cute. Princess Leia, sorry, uh, and wrapped yarn around earmuffs and made me this dress, you know, that belted, and and I was Princess Leia one year. I was, oh, I, I've done the Princess awesome. Leia costume as well, and I actually did it for Halloween too. Seven, six, I've never or been seven. Princess Leia. You know, I think well, it was you... before Empires, maybe right after Empire. Yeah. So I Jan, was young. You go to conventions, you can still dress as Princess Leia. Yeah, I know. That's just making me sad because when I was in graduate school, my graduate school roommate slash best friend at the time was actually a princess Leia cosplayer and she was tiny and cute and had all the costumes and we it was i was always really well, jealous, now i'm gonna so. start just anyway. like general Leia when i start growing my gray hair i need out, to do I that because i'm old enough to do me it. too <laughs> so well not quite but um so so anyway me, halloween yeah. costumes um <laughs> anyways i'd like to talk about spike a little bit okay in this episode okay. i I'm really surprised when we're watching this episode about how extraneous Spike is to this episode. Like, he turns up in a couple of scenes, but he's really just there because Ethan has no real plan other than I want to cause chaos and I don't really care what happens after that. I just want people to be panicked and everything. Mm-hmm. So I guess they felt they needed to have an actual danger in there. But Spike is barely dangerous he's got like one scene where he's just like i'm going to be evil and i'm going to kill buffy yeah and also just a one point that bothered me it's like when uh when buffy you know buffy uh, comes back to herself during that scene and she beats spike off with what looks like a wooden big wooden staff why doesn't she break that in half and stake him I know, right? Plot armor. It bugs me so much. I mean, I'm glad Spike didn't die, but I was just like, oh my god, he's just lying there on the ground. Exactly. Yeah, logic-wise, it doesn't make any sense that she wouldn't have staked him in that, except that they needed him for more episodes. Right, and Mm -hmm. at this point, not that many more episodes, because I don't know if at this point they've decided to keep him or not. Probably I I would think so, because we're a couple episodes off What's My Line? And mm-hmm. they were going, they were going to kill him in that. But mm-hmm. I think after school hard, they had already decided to keep him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and also we haven't really talked about Drew, but and Drew's in there even less. But when she's there, she shines. I mean, she's yeah. just she's mm-hmm. awesome. She's oh, true. and it's also yeah. one of my very favorite Buffy lines is when she's like, "Do you love all of me? The pots that's on the inside." And she, he's like, "Eyeballs to entrails." I, I just love that. I actually had a boyfriend I... that would say that to me every now and then. I had a boyfriend that would say that to me, too, and that's actually one of the reasons why that line makes me cringe. Oh, see, my my boyfriend was really nice. He's still a good friend of mine, so, like, it's a nice memory for me. So (laughs) It is not for me. I've never had a Buffy-watching boyfriend, so nobody's ever said that to me. So I'm deprived. He wasn't a Buffy-watching boyfriend. He's a boyfriend that watched Buffy with me when I was obsessively watching it in the room. So, like, which is pretty much all my partners is like, well, yes, I will go ahead and (laughs) sit here while you watch Buffy. Thanks, honey. And I've just never had a boyfriend, so... True, and that's yeah. all okay, you go. respect that. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay, but speaking of boyfriends, um, Giles and Ethan. Oh, oh, I was gonna, actually, I wanted to... 
<laughs> I had a point to actually make about Ethan first, just out of curiosity. Does anybody speak Latin? Because I was trying to figure out what in God's name Ethan was saying when he was doing the spell. Mm. And the only thing I picked up was Carpe, Carpe Noctum yeah. and also something about Sanguum. So obviously there's blood and Seize the Night. I, I just I would I want to find a translation because it was it was Janus who was, you know, Janus as in January, the two-faced god. Yeah. Yes. Like, what the hell are you saying? I have it. Uh, let me just pull it up. Well, and then um, he, you know, actually it is a god of duality. So at least they didn't like take a name of a god or a being mm. from another culture and yep. just like totally misrepresent it. Yeah, I was actually impressed by the fact that A, he was speaking Latin, B, he was a Roman god. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, but that's what I'm saying. I, I was wondering what the hell he was saying because it sounded like I it had a the translation. It's Giannis, I call forth your spirit, hear my cause, seize the night for your purpose. Come up here and show us that which is infinite power. The mask is transformed into flesh and blood. Your holy presence curdles the heart. Giannis, take the night. Hmm. Ooh, nice. Good spell. Yeah. I have to say, I, I, I personally didn't associate Giannis with, uh, with chaos. But I looked it up, and apparently he is associated with oh, chaos. Really? So they did not actually just grab Janus because he's two-faced. And, mm-hmm. you know, that would fit with the whole dual personality thing. But right. no, he is he is actually associated with chaos. And so, oh, he, okay. so Ethan, excellent. as a chaos worshiper, would, would pray to Janus. Yeah, yeah, chaos and duality. It's excellent, because, I mean, so often on shows, and I'll throw out True Blood... I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they uh, the second season of True Blood, they had people worshiping Dionysus, but they turned him into basically Lucifer, mm-hmm. and it's like, but that's not who D- Dionysus is. They're like absolutely nothing A to do with B, but right. they turned him into like this evil god and stuff. And you know, as, as a mythology fan, I was like really, really. Yeah. Oh, so we will get really into cool. that when we get to uh, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered because Truth. fuck that noise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we well, we've seen that on Buffy before too. Oh yeah, oh, we, yeah. We, well, we, yeah. But they, they, they actually nailed before. it correctly here. Yeah, we yeah, complained yeah. So about for, that. So this is actually an exception rather than the rule. Yes, but, right. But they yeah. did get it right this time. So yeah. points to them for that. So we were talking so, about Giles and Ethan, Ethan and Giles. Yeah. Yes, sorry. Um, they fucked a lot. Okay, that's just like <laughs> that totally the question. Did. Like, absolutely. That's not shipper goggles or anything. I have no. No, that's it's slashy as all get out. Uh, let's see. In- English that, no. boarding school. Yeah, probably. Yep. yep. <laughs> and orgies. They oh that whole. That and, is you know true. what? We're oh, gonna yeah. get to the dark age, and I'm sure we're gonna talk about it then. But yeah. they, they were all doing it. I'm just saying, oh, like totally. even, even in this episode, it's like they come off as ex boyfriends. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Giles is bisexual. It's canonical. I'm all over that. Mm -hmm. Totally Mm -hmm. fine with that. Mm. Oh, and a little nitpicking note. Uh, When Willow leaves Ethan's shop for Ethan and Giles, you can hear the door. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's it's like Uh. the sound engineer was not thinking. It's like because Giles tells Willow to leave. And then I'll, you hear the sound of the door opening and closing. And it's like, well, obviously since it's set, she didn't actually walk out the door. They had to add that in. <laughs> oh, I missed that. But, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 always oh, been one of the ones you're like, it's like angel breathing. You're like, mm-hmm. dude, I heard that door. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Total gaff. Total gaff. Yep. Yeah. She also touches yeah. things in the store, like with her shoulder and her... Like the curtain that they go mm. behind, you can see her move the curtain. So oh. yeah, well, hey, um, but yeah, I mean, at oh. this point yeah. in yeah. fandom, at this right. point, watching this episode, 
We wanted to know so much about what was happening with Giles. Like, that was, I was like, I must know. I must know. Oh my god, yes. Oh yeah. And I, I didn't have regular access to the internet. Yeah, as soon as he calls him Ripper, it's like, what is Ripper? Who is Ripper? What is Why Ripper? is Ripper? And I, I do think I tried to get some information, because I didn't have a computer of my own. I had to go to the computer lab at school in order to, you know, use a computer. But I know I was trying to look up some stuff about this and i was like i have to know what's happening with giles so there we go very revelatory at the time as far as i can remember this was kind of before like we got the deluge of um spoilers um i don't think spoiler slayer was oh spoiler slayer wasn't up until season three or something yeah um i do remember that later on this season some of the stuff that happened later in this season did come out but i don't think like we got like there's going to be an episode about giles's past but i do remember like when this episode came out and giles and ethan were in the scene together and they have the little tribute to the prisoner with the be seeing you yes um yeah yeah. uh everybody was like okay so there's there's got to be something where ethan comes back and we find out more about what's going on with giles and why he there's, he's called Ripper, and they kind of figured out, okay, Ripper, Rupert kind of, like, went together. So. Hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, just even watching it as a viewer, I'm like, what? So, I was, I know yeah. I was really stoked to find out more. So. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you know, Ethan says, they they don't know who you really are. Yeah. And, 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 and of course, here we, we see, we see a side of Giles that we do not see often. I mean, the, no. the 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 other time that it jumps out at me is the end of season five. Yeah, and I mean the fact that that, that he turns around, he decks yeah. him. I mean, there's actually you know Rupert is suddenly he you know Giles is suddenly like you know action man as compared mm-hmm. to you know the cute and cuddly one we were seeing earlier, who's like chopping over his own tongue. It was like, whoa, mm-hmm. yeah. what is this? Well, he's, the, the what's going on? The scene that I really compare it to is I believe it's the end of Dead Man's Party. In season three, mm-hmm. when uh, Giles is threatening Snyder to let Buffy back into school. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he's like, should I convince you? And he's so fucking hot. Like, I'm, oh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I wrote down, I love adorable nebbish Giles. I love killer Giles. I love all the Giles. Giles, Giles, Giles. <laughs> <laughs> How can one not? I mean, I mean honestly. Even, even the Giles without shrimp? I, any Giles, pretty much. <laughs> As long as he has things below okay. the belt line, I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but but I, the reason I, I this the, like this reminds me so much of the end of season five is this is Giles, who has clearly, as we will find out, made a point of civilizing himself after his mm-hmm. younger days. But well, still, I mean, when when it comes down to it, he will do what needs to be done. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And to me, also, there's a little bit of the whole like Clark Kent Superman thing, especially the uh, the Chris Reeves version of okay, it, yeah. where you know Giles is like bumbling and nebbishy and everything, and all of a sudden, given the chance, he's suddenly like a superhero. He whips off the so, glasses like I come from yeah. a planet called Krypton. <laughs> I would no, watch Transylvania. that. <laughs> Transsexual Transylvania. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, 
so I just I just love that bit yeah. and just like whoa. I mean, I'm sure we're gonna have a much. I mean, and and Dark Age is coming up here pretty quick. Yeah, yeah I think we'll, it's like we'll two get, episodes. We'll get away, very much but... more into this for Dark Age. Yeah, and it's it's wonderfully integrated. And I actually wish we had more just Giles episodes. We really only got two. Yeah, um, yeah, but you know, so mm-hmm. we're at. Uh, I think we're up to the scene with uh, Willow. Willow uh, walking down the street to uh, how she died by treble charger. Um, And oh my god, I fucking love this scene. I do too. So much. And I love the van. Oz's striped Mm. British steering wheel van is great. It's like zebra print. I I think this is the last time we actually see this version of the van. I think the other times that it's the blue one. Which is supposed to be the same van, but it's obviously not because he's like sitting on the opposite side and it's different color. <laughs> and it's like, what? You're like, that's not the same van. No. no. I think this one, if I recall correctly, I think this one actually broke down. Hmm. And that's why they had to replace it. Mm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. They're like, we'll just get another crappy van. It's But yeah, to... I think the scene is really nice. I mean, Seth has like the best smitten face. <laughs> In the I history of all smitten faces, really. Yes. He's kind of... Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. And I love how confidently Willow is walking. Like, she just does not care. Like, um, as much as I dislike Buffy, like, pushing that costume on Willow, as soon as all of the bad stuff goes down, Willow just forgets that, you know, she's totally exposed. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Except for that moment with giles where giles like draws attention to it and then later on willow is walking home and it's just like okay you know this is what i'm wearing and she's right and she tosses off the boo like she could yeah there's a moment where you know she could put the boo back on but she doesn't Mm -hmm. yeah and she's like forget Uh, it right she just i think something clicked in her head and she's okay with herself which is great you just sort of see the transition happen and it's not even being okay with wearing a skimpy outfit because willow's not still okay with wearing a skimpy outfit just more confident in her she's just more confident in her ability to problem solve troubleshoot Mm -hmm. and so i like in that moment i it's very little about the costume that she's wearing. Yeah, no, it's all internal, it's all, not external yeah. at all. And which is something that Oz sees, because I'm sure he's like, wow, that girl is really good looking. But there's also something about the way she's walking that he's like, that girl's really terrific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The setup of the scene, the direction is really good. The the actor, like, I mean, there's not even, like, there's only that one line of dialogue, but just the look on Seth's face and the way Allie's walking. I really love the song that they used in that scene. So I think it's it's just a really nice scene that, you it's know, lovely. really helps set up the change in Willow. Yeah. And I also, I think just the change of Willow in general, I mean, it, it, that's one of the things I like about this episode is just the fact that we see her like do things and she's taking charge and it doesn't like, you know, once the spell is broken, she doesn't go back to being mousy little Willow that she's actually, it's grown. She's like evolved through this episode. So even though it's a traumatic experience, blah, 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 yeah. it has positive, uh, you know, there's positive reinforcement. It's what yeah, this, yeah, I just it's this episode really is a, this episode is just a major turning point for Willow. It really yeah. is. Yeah. It really is in a very big way. And in a good way, too. It's not like she suddenly wakes up and, I'm going to be confident mm-hmm. now. I'm going to listen to everything Buffy says. It's just, it's very organic and it's no, beautiful. It, it just really works. It's not so much of, like, the overconfident. It's it's the... it's She's been underconfident. That's the thing. She's been mm-hmm. underconfident yeah, yeah. this whole for the past year. And now it's like, oh, hang on. 
I don't have to conform. Mm-hmm. I can actually, I mean, you know, I'm not going to, I may not be, you know, I'm not going to like shove things in people's faces, but I can be myself. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, it's great. It's a great character development episode for Willow. And mm-hmm. I do appreciate it. And this is yeah. peak Willow for me. Willow around here. Yeah. yeah. A little bit in season three before I just, am like had it with her. So mm-hmm. this is peak Willow time for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We go from one of my favorite scenes of this episode to one of Blah. my least favorite scenes of this episode. Blah. <laughs> oh, we just have Buffy and Angel just fucking making out with each other. And, like, Angel's such a fucking liar. He oh, is yeah. a liar. Well, yeah. at this point, Angel, the writers are not... I was going to say, do they actually they know his backstory? That have they backstory. Decided who well, the that thing story is, they, they establish it by the end of the season. Yeah. So... Right. There might have been a little bit of an idea in there, but mm-hmm. I mean, like, seriously, he says he doesn't like the noble women from back then. The only reason he didn't like the noble women from back then is because they didn't fucking put out. True. Right. Yep. I mean, he thought Darla was a whore in the alleyway, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, to be fair, what kind of noble woman would be out, like, by a tavern, like, late at night? True. Just true that. chilling out. Yeah, by chilling herself. out, buying out, wait, waiting for someone to come out of the. Yeah, I mean, and, and also she was a whore, and she so. was true. She was a whore. Um, she was a sex worker. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I'm the worst. Um, yeah, and then he says, "I always wanted to meet someone interesting that I can." No, you didn't. You wanted to drink and fuck. You were drunk. Yeah. you were a drunken <laughs> lout. You, you did not want to meet up. anyone interesting. You wanted to get drunk, and you wanted to screw whores. I mean, at that point, maybe when he was Buffy's age, maybe. Maybe he had not gotten to be a drunk, because he's not a drunken, he's 26 when he's turned. So maybe mm-hmm. he wanted to meet something interesting that he, he could talk to when he was not 26, but mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, well, I, I mean, his, his father always, like, uh, I mean, his father was obviously very abusive to him, but yeah, seemed to like true. suggest that Liam was never like any worth anything. That like he, it, it's it's not like he was stifled and then turned to the drink and the horror. It's just that he was he was a waste of space. Well, when your father tells you you're a waste of space, then all of a sudden you're self fulfilling prophecy. But we'll get to that well, when yeah. we get to Angel. Uh, right. But yeah, I mean, I, he was just a. Yeah, come on. Yeah. He didn't want some sensitive, nice girl that he could talk to. No. He wanted to do it. And do it. And do it. And do it. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay so, so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's um, our episode. Yeah, yeah, that is the episode. So final thoughts uh, on uh, Halloween? Oh, well, I do have a nitpick. Well, not a nitpick, but a... How does this work? Uh, so everyone, when everyone reverts to their usual pe- uh, personality, yes. Why is Willow the only person who gets transported back to the exact spot where she changed? Because there was a body there for her to go into. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. I'm still, I'm still yeah, confused was, as to why yeah, she- Willow was able to come back to life. Like I mean, I know, she, I know she has to ghost. because she's a main character. But I mean, she fucking died. Truth. Oh, here's a question. A question for the ages that we'll never have an answer to. If Willow were the Slayer, and she were affected by the spell, 
Would a new Slayer be called? Ooh, Ooh. very good question. Mm. Ooh, I like it. That's a great question. That's a question to is Joss on Twitter anymore? Sometimes I yeah, I think he is back on. He's back on Twitter. Okay, yeah, he gave up for a while after Age of Ultron, but I think he's been back. I can't say I blame him. Yeah. I, I know he was back for the anniversary. Also, he was he was around during the election because that's when he was doing his like, his videos and stuff. So yeah, oh, no, I right. mean he's basically he just does a whole bunch of political stuff now. Um, so and and now that he's finishing but, uh, Justice League, let's see, maybe he'll get driven away from Twitter again. <laughs> well, I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, I think, well, I think this episode personally, I really enjoy this one still. There's some stuff that I like roll my eyes at, but I just kind of push aside. It's like, okay, fucking Xander, like whatever. Um, But see, I I was infuriated by Xander this time around. Just infuriated by him. You're always infuriated by Xander. But the thing is, I love Xander all at the same time, but I. I'm so conflicted on Xander. You're so conflicted um, on Xander. I said Xander is a I'm weenie, so and that's going to be the default setting forever. So yeah, I just yeah. So it's a good. It's a very solid S season two episode. It's a memorable episode. It's a rewatchable episode. It's an entertaining episode. Yeah, to me, like I said, this is one of those quintessential, you know, early Buffy episodes that everything, almost everything, is right about it um, in terms of comedy drama horror mm-hmm. character development mm-hmm. and then intriguing like plot things like ethan that are going to go forward in future mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. It, it's a good one yeah it, it, it's certainly not reptile boy. i mean it's, it's a <laughs> buffy episode like everything that's wrong with it is kind of like an underlying problem with buffy in general yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and all mean, the stuff it's, it's charming all the stuff that doesn't work doesn't really you know scupper the episode yeah, it doesn't detract from it. It's, it's like there kind of there are problems, but it does. But but then it moves on, and it does yeah. enough that it it overcomes the problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those episodes where if I was trying to get somebody into the show, I might actually sit them down to watch mm-hmm. that that and like School Hard. Yeah, because it yeah. gives you a really good flavor yeah. of what the show is about without being overpowering. But it's enjoyable. It's funny. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's got all the right things in there, and they work this time as compared to other times where it just falls flat. Mm-hmm. So. And it's got Willow and Oz and, you know, yes. Spike, so it's good. Okay, yeah, so, so. I, I think we've uh, uh, reached uh, the end of the episode at this point. Uh, so next time uh, we'll be reviewing Lie to Me. Mm. Until then, grr arg grr arg grr arg arg We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube at Return to the Hellmouth, on Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at Hellmouth Return, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Be sure to rate our shows at iTunes and Stitcher. See you on Tuesday for Lie to Me. Grr.